0: Great places to have a murder, throw the body overboard, uh, and no evidence. I love
1: it. Yeah. It's funny how that never works. You know, like, why leave the body on the train and murder the Orient Express? Right. It just be disappearance on the Orient Express.
0: <laughs> there are windows in every room.
1: But they're very small windows, you know?
0: A body can be in very small parts. <laughs> okay. Well, the,
1: the butchering of the Orient Express. <laughs> Live dangerous rail yard in new york city i'm your host shane
0: and i'm your host Ishan,
1: and welcome to episode 269 of total party thrill a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours
0: in this episode we're packing our trunks and setting off for a journey on lightning rails and other trains but first the party hacks healing in the gates of morning campaign and later the conductor offers minimal resistance in the character creation forge just punched my ticket all right that's <laughs> all i want
1: yeah uh, the throwback the 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 ticket punch of the uh, smiling man collecting <laughs> your stubs
0: you can see his face wow <laughs> you, yeah uh,
1: and also you have to charge full speed straight into a wall to find this train track
0: is there a throw mama from the train joke in here somewhere because i want it if not i'm making it right now
1: okay you did it it's there done congratulations all right, where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign?
0: So the Gates of Mourning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in southern Karnath, on the edge of the Mournland, the party is chasing a killer. Polda, the spellcaster, who the party now knows was once Pold, the child refugee, lies dead. But for the second time in a single day, a party member is also dead. Bramble has been completely drained of blood by one of the stitch zombies. But as the party begins to minister to him and tries to patch all of their wounds, they realize that healing magic isn't working.
1: Yeah, only then does the party understand that the dread they felt in their stomachs upon entering this lab was caused by entering the Mornland, which they have now crossed into.
0: So Warden and Switch set to work, piping blood back into Bramble's veins, hoping that there's a way to revive him. And they do it more quickly than the last time. But because magical healing and natural healing aren't functioning, they need to devise a plan. They decide they're going to use one of their rope trick scrolls that fortunately they requisitioned before they began this little adventure. And they create an extra-dimensional space where they can set up a temporary camp
1: drag Bramble's corpse inside and then Switch crushes a diamond
0: on Bramble's chest
1: and calls upon the mercy of the traveler he gasps back to life and the rest of the party bandages their wounds and rests for an hour with a now living Bramble
0: Warden as his, his want uh, takes a flask and retrieves a bit of water from the pool that is uh, filtering in from the moorland just in case for later who knows gotta have your moorland water <laughs> in the meantime lenore searches the entire lab on Paul's body she finds a medallion on a fine silver chain a pearl brooch a wooden wand that is cold to the touch and an amber amulet that looks like it's filled with raindrops all of which are magical at the workstation she also finds a leather-bound journal embossed with a phrase in reedron that vesicod translates on the psyche no scars remain it contains notes about the facility itself and all the experiments that were taking place here that also appear to be part of a larger body of work.
1: So what we glean from this notebook is that after the cataclysm destroyed the original compound, a tunnel was dug directly to the border of the Mornland for experimentation. And the lab here sits just inside that border. As is the case everywhere in the Mornland, healing doesn't work and bodies do not rot. So, Bramble speculates this may have something to do with why their corpses don't degrade
0: over time. So, Pole was using the energies of the Moorland, which the journal tells them was created by a combination of the planes of Dolur and Maybar to create new kinds of undead. And these latest creatures, several of which they have just slain, were able to propagate themselves like whites, uh, turning the creatures that they kill into new versions of Stitch Zombies. Of course, if this is allowed to continue, it will lead to a countryside completely overrun with mindless undead.
1: And then the sparking door that the party first entered into the lab is actually a portal that teleports people across the dead grey mists that surround Disorient on the, the border of the Mournland. There are also references in the journal to someone called A, whose whereabouts Pole does not know but the party remembers that the child's real father was named Elaine, and now they fear there are more mine seeds loose upon the world.
0: So, the party burns Paul's body, along with the undead corpses. And now that they are patched up, they are determined to destroy the rest of the undead here, as well as the other acolytes in the facility.
1: And we'll find out what happens next, next week.
0: So this week... We talked about airships, we talked about airplanes, now we're talking about lightning rails and trains.
1: Yeah, the herald of civilization, the symbol of manifest destiny, the linchpin of industry, the luxury accommodation of the rich, the daily commute of the masses. These are trains.
0: Great places to have a murder, throw the body overboard, uh, and no evidence i love
1: it yeah it's funny how that never works you know like why leave the body <laughs> on the train and murder the orient express it right just be disappearance on the <laughs> orient express
0: there are windows in every room
1: but they're very small windows you know
0: a body can be in very small parts <laughs> okay well, the,
1: the butchering on the orient <laughs> express
0: so airships was 252 and we're continuing this series on transportation
1: yeah so trains are relatively fast very steady reliable travel for that early industrial age civilization and then they they, kind of continue to have value you know post-industrial as well but like i think that's really where the draw of trains comes from is more from that like you know 19th century early 20th century aesthetic
0: yeah i mean you you run trains and you play a game on trains for the aesthetic um it also sort of lead leans into like certain things that you wear and um, a certain kind of gentility which makes the shocking horrible murder even uh, more interesting
1: trains of course follow fixed routes you know they need track uh, and they usually have fixed schedules you know they have to be you know your 310 to yuma right like you're you're on a you catch the train at a certain point at a certain time it's there every day if everything is going to plan
0: which is great for planning a game or a heist <laughs> It's also a reliable mass conveyance. It can transport almost unlimited cargo and hundreds or thousands of passengers, willing or unwilling.
1: And then, of course, this is critical infrastructure to industrialized societies and especially large-scale modern warfare, right? Like, there's no World War II without trains to convey hundreds of thousands of troops across Europe.
0: Right. An army marches on its stomach. uh, Cut off the supply lines is one of the main uh, tactics in any modern war, that is a train and in general it's a closed system while you're in transit right no one is getting on the train or off the train until you're at a pre-arranged stop of course there are exceptions but those are going to be a more advanced system or or they're going to be unplanned stops which may be exactly what your session uh, is focused on
1: yeah yeah those exceptions are why you have an adventure <laughs> and not just a pleasant train ride right <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about the lore of trains, and this is where we're going to kind of blend the fantasy with the real world. Um, So think about how they fit into your game, right? In Eberron, trains are called lightning rails. They're operated exclusively by House Orion, using their dragon marks to control them.
0: In the Old West, though, railroad companies waged literal, actual wars against Native peoples, against Spanish conquistadors, and against American settlers themselves. You know,
1: in sub-Saharan Africa, colonial railways determined where industrialization occurred during colonization.
0: In your game, you'll probably draw heavily from real-world train history. Railways are built to move industrial cargo. And then after that, they will move people between industrial centers or, you know, from the suburbs in and, and back out. Passenger rail usually comes later. So you can sort of determine what people what your party will find on a train and like what use they will have with the train system depending on where exactly in that industrialization process your setting is
1: yeah and then as you mentioned commuter rail is going to happen as part of urbanization which is later later in the industrial revolution of like now we need to move people around the city or from a suburb to an exurb to you know an urban center
0: yeah like never forget that you can do a train session or a heist or anything like that in sci-fi settings as well because you just have people movers and you know mag rails and monorails that are moving people across like you know the entire planet
1: yeah snow piercer works just fine right (laughs) (laughs) um you know, like uh, there's the scene in solo, right? there's a there's a train heist in solo. it It does not require you to have a primitive society or a pre-industrial society. It's just I think that's the classic aesthetic that people
0: are drawn to when they think of trains. or you know, firefly, and you just throw it all together. <laughs>
1: um and then also keep in mind that like for for most of their history, railways are critical infrastructure interrupting the train schedule interrupts the economy and society itself right a train heist is like the equivalent of a train heist in 1850 is the equivalent of piracy in 1650 Mm -hmm. right like you are by attacking a train you are attacking civilization you're you know persona non grata at that point
0: of course that might be the point your party is trying to make
1: yeah absolutely
0: in fact civilization is not welcome here (laughs) right the
1: pirates are the heroes too here
0: So next, think about the function of the train itself. And, you know, if this feels like you're getting a little too nitty-gritty in into like Verisimilitude, think of it this way. You need to know how your train works in order to know how your players are going to stop that train.
1: <laughs> or yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> what happens when they break your train. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or what happens when your player's train gets broken. How do we fix right. it? Exactly. So first up, it's the power source. Traditionally this will be coal, but you can also have electric trains. It could be nuclear powered. Maybe that's safe. Maybe it's very not safe. In Eberron, you have bound elementals, which is also very not safe.
1: Right. I like I like the idea of nuclear power trains because it's just like accelerating a nuclear warhead at you know <laughs> sixty to eighty miles per hour, or, <laughs> putting it on a f- a fixed path straight to an urban center. What could go wrong? <laughs> or six
0: hundred to eight hundred miles an hour. Right. <laughs> right yeah.
1: Hi- your your hyperloop nuclear train. Great. <laughs> Then, of course, trains have tracks, right? They have something that they run along. That's what makes them trains is they only go in two directions, forward and backward. So this might be steel rails on, you know, wooden railroad ties. This might be like, a, you know, postmodern maglev train that's you know, hyper smooth and, and high speed. It might be magical bindings like you have in Emberon.
0: Yeah, number of other conductor stones, individual stones that are like 30 feet apart, so you don't actually interrupt the landscape. But think about also how this affects your setting and the people who live there when there isn't a train there. Do you have a train track that's just cutting across an entire desert? Does that disrupt ecosystems? Do people hate that or do they like it?
1: What is the human cost to actually build that infrastructure Mm -hmm. across otherwise uninhabitable terrains, right? Um, Certainly, you look at the history of of the American West or, you know, uh, building trains through Africa like the 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 cost is frankly like the human cost is staggering
0: in terms of the train itself then consider the crew size so an industrial train might just be a, sing, a single conductor and a few hands who are keeping it operating but a luxury passenger train might have attendants and chefs and housekeepers and all kinds of servants and a valet
1: in some settings or, or in some applications you might have security right there might be a reason that you need to guard the train or its cargo or its passengers. Uh, these might be private security hired by a passenger. These might be general security for the train itself. Certainly, if you're shipping you know, a, a, a several containers full of gold from California back to Chicago, that's going to be a prime target for uh, for piracy, uh, for bandits, and, and you're going to want to make sure that you're protecting that cargo uh, heavily.
0: Mm-hmm. Um- Sometimes the security is there because the passengers are the cargo. If you want to go a Dark Game or World War II game, trains are the ways that people were transmitted to concentration camps.
1: Uh, and also to the front lines.
0: Uh, yeah, conscripts. Yeah. <laughs> so each traditionally a train is going to be uh, made up of multiple cars that are connected to each other at the front usually you'll have the engine car the locomotive it's the source of the train's movement it is whatever is powering everything else and then all the other cards are being dragged along
1: yeah and and this of course the aesthetic for each of these will vary dependent on your setting right so this might be steam powered this might be again nuclear powered right this might be magnetically powered or some far future magical source It, it doesn't really matter the point is Usually, a train has a single source of movement, uh, and and that's the engine, right? Um, if you separate cars from that source, they don't
0: move anymore.
1: That's kind of an important quality of trains,
0: right? Which which means you can decide which how much of the train you stop depending on what your point of attack is, right? right? You exactly. Stop, you stop the locomotive; the whole thing stops. Maybe you don't want the whole thing to stop,
1: right? <laughs> You might also have a power car, right? A dedicated power source for the train, separate from the engine itself. Um, This wouldn't really be in a a more of a real world kind of scenario, but certainly in a sci-fi or a magical source. Like, there's no reason that those things need to be united physically.
0: You might even get like the locomotive where the engineer is, and then right behind that, there's like the stereotypical car that is just full of coal. Right. Uh, Yeah, that's the real world alternative. (laughs) And it takes
1: a couple uh, of strong-backed young men to uh, shovel that coal from one car into the next. And then I, I think the most important is to think about like what kind of cars you'll be interacting with from like a cargo and passenger perspective. Um, and like, you know, real world trains have all types of variations. And, and these are just sort of the idea of what what gives you some variation to change both like the tactical terrain and just like the tedium of, okay, well, I walk through another car that's just rows of benches. <laughs> you know, like the, the the map can change a little bit here, too. Um, So on the cargo side, like box cars, I think are the classic that everybody thinks of because of those kids. Um, And then just like, you know, it's your cover top, like kind of rectangular shape, Uh, probably like wooden slats on the side uh, might have a sliding door and, and it's filled with like goods or soldiers or, you know, commodity type stuff that you don't particularly care about the security and safety of it's not sealed but it's also you know fairly protected
0: right it's a perfect scenario for people who uh, run up next to the train and, and hop on if you're you know riding the rails
1: yeah or if you're um paul walker in that one fast and the furious movie the second
0: one i think <laughs> i'm gonna trust you on that
1: i think they do a train heist <laughs>
0: <laughs> does it are there cars on the train i'm confused
1: there are cars on the train cars yes okay (laughs) modern my modern railways have actually dedicated uh containers for cars uh i looked this up today <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll also have classically flat cars uh which are, are as they sound right just an open bed um, usually this transports equipment like pipes long things that can be bundled um, but what that means for you and your game is that this is something that you can walk ab- across that's open air right it has open size it has a risk of a real risk of being knocked off or being boarded from that point
0: yeah, um, you can always cut the ties that are holding uh, the lumber or whatever it is down. And now suddenly you have terrain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there are covered or open top hoppers. Uh, things are poured in from the top. This is that that coal uh, car, but also just bulk dry materials. Grain is often transported this way. I, I often think of these as um, like Indiana Jones or maybe it was young Indiana Jones. There's always a not necessarily a fight on a train, but like a chase on a train. And mm-hmm. each car is like a different type of terrain and has a, a new problem or a new puzzle that you can basically throw at your party. Like how how can you stand on this pile of coal? Can you stand on this pile of grain? If it's sorghum, no, you sink yeah
1: that's i was gonna say the overtop hopper classically filled with quicksand <laughs> <laughs> uh the other thing to keep in mind in these in in hopper cars is what else is in there below whatever kind of bulk material has been filled right a great place to hide something is in one of these hoppers that's just covered in coal or grain wheat
0: whatever that's where we put the rifles, <laughs> right <laughs> Uh,
1: and then, of course, you have tankers, which are used for transporting liquid. Um, this might be volatile and dangerous. This might be benign and uh, inconvenient. You know, but but either way, um, a, a just another type of car. Typically, this isn't something you can get inside. Um, but you might release a valve, or you might have to climb across it, something like that.
0: Or it might get shot, and now it has a hole in it and it's leaking.
1: Right. It might. It might be the commodity you're transporting, right? Because it's oil
0: or something. Right. Liquid like natural gas. Whatever. Right. Now, there are common passenger cars that uh, you'll probably have on most trains that are actually transporting paying passengers. You have a regular passenger car that has actual seats where people can sit down and they might not be the most comfortable thing, but um, you probably have an assigned location that's on your ticket. And that means that you might be in the wrong location.
1: Uh, Then you'll have sleeping cars, right? These have bunks and beds for rest. These are usually your premium train travel type uh, arrangements where you have maybe one or two passengers per room. Um, And you've got a little bit of privacy. Uh, This is classically where your Murder on the Orient Express will be taking most of its place.
0: There are kitchen cars, uh, whether a fine passenger train or an Amtrak. It's a place where food is being prepared. It is also a place where there is fire.
1: Mm, and uh knives (laughs) (laughs) uh and then of course uh if you're preparing the food you have to serve it somewhere so uh classically that would be a dining car a place where you can go gather eat be served your food um and then that that will kind of contrast some of the more like informal gathering spaces and you know like the bar car other luxury cars you know you like modern trains have like the coffee shop (laughs) uh which are just places for people to gather that are not their same old same old seats right
0: all of those are potential good places for uh passengers who wouldn't normally be sitting next to each other to mingle right people might still go to the same uh kitchen car or dining car uh even if some people are in first class and some people are in steerage
1: yeah, or or the flip side is they are divided by ticket class mm-hmm. and access to one or the other based on your ticket class could be a problem that you have to overcome. Um, also, like in the investigative kind of games, like having that gathering place uh, where you are expected to show each day at dinner um, kind of forces timelines to intersect, right? Like that's a that's always a source of information is how do people act at dinner? Because they have to show for dinner. It would be weird if they didn't.
0: They retired early and didn't come to cocktails at eight. Strange.
1: Interesting.
0: And then there uh, may be security cars, which are completely dedicated to the defense of the train. Uh, Maybe this is housing for the security agents who, you know, if it's a long train ride, might be sleeping there. It could also be where they store all the weapons. So if there is a problem, they suddenly run to the security car and gear up.
1: This one you want to kind of suit to your setting, right? Based on what are the kind of dangers for this train? Um, you know, if it's a if it's a lowly populated industrial or a mining world uh, where that isn't really a problem, there's probably no security. Um, you know, if it's a world that has a lot of dangers and unrest, you might have like literal arms and armament, like weapon platforms, like that are. Man, 24-7 in order to protect the train against the, the dangers of the world or the people in it.
0: And this is info that your party can make use of. You know, if it's a normal passenger train, then why are there purple bellies on this train? Mm-hmm. That probably signifies there's very expensive cargo somewhere.
1: One thing about cars is just, you can mix and match them however you want. You know, the industrial is going to generally be grouped. The passenger will generally be grouped. I think in the real world, we rarely actually mix the two types, but there's no reason in any other setting that you wouldn't just opt for whatever's the most efficient way to get a bunch of stuff from point A to point B. And like, hitching some passenger cars to an industrial load is not that big of a deal
0: yeah and sometimes if you already have a locomotive heading in one direction and you just need to get cars from one place to another so that they can be loaded elsewhere you just attach them to the train so there's there's always an excuse there if your players aren't buying it
1: as always we want to talk a little bit about maintenance because uh any machine can break down um so uh, Think about what kind of maintenance is required when you're actually traveling on the tracks. You know, it might just be shoveling coal into the furnace. Uh, It might be resetting or maintaining elemental bindings. Like what needs to happen on the train to make sure that the train continues to function?
0: Then think about what kind of maintenance needs to happen on the rails themselves, even when there's no train around. And perhaps the days or even weeks between trains coming by this way, depending on how long the tracks are. Who lives there? Um, Are they able to destroy the tracks if they want and even if no one's actively trying to destroy tracks is someone inspecting them or repairing them after the long winter are they checking bridges and tunnels uh what about the switches when uh a train will uh go west or it will go east
1: you know or all the controllers in the yards right like all all potential sources of calamity on a train Usually PCs won't be responsible for the maintenance, but these are good things to think about because they could be the cause of a delay. They could lead to a vulnerability that gets exploited. Um, They might be like uh, a root cause in in an investigation that the PCs are leading.
0: Right. And so if they are involved, it'll usually cost the PCs either time to fix it uh, because you usually have the materials to fix it present on the train. Uh, or it could be that they need to use their specific skills. Um, you know, some sort of like game mechanic that they've yeah. actually like put uh, points in.
1: I, or it might be that their skills uh, lead them to a quest. Right? Like, uh, I, I think there's a, a tropey kind of trained thing where you know we're stuck here in the middle of nowhere. The next town is twenty miles. Uh, go there, talk to the guy at the rail yard. You know, get the parts that we need, and Union Pacific will be forever in your debt.
0: Right. I don't have the engineering skill. I do have the shoot people and take stuff skill. So this is still a solvable problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I have the generally looks tough skill. <laughs> like, could probably make the trip skill. <laughs>
0: the am expendable skill. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that too. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the conductor. I have to stay with the train. <laughs> Union Pacific regulations, sir.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's talk about what life is like aboard a train.
1: Well, uh, we did this for airships. It's it's also viable uh, for trains, though it's a little goofier to kind of think about trains as a method of travel versus a base of operations. But it, it is there is some precedent for this. <laughs> so on the travel side, you're probably going to be passengers uh, and most of your needs will be taken
0: care of based on your class of service. The party probably isn't equipped for maintenance they can take care of other problems on the train, though, right? They might be the ones who are conscripted or maybe have been hired to repel bandits who are trying to stop the train or they'll be recruited in a pinch if there are terrorists who try- who are trying to take it over because they probably have weapons on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can always be caravan guards for the train, right? Like, that that trope still functions. Um, but think about what secrets or information the party doesn't have access to, right? Like, the the... Train log, the cargo manifests, uh, knowledge of which other passengers are on this train that might make it a juicy target.
0: Mm-hmm. And those are all things that, you know, it's known unknowns, right? What what The party should have a good idea of things that they could find out that they are not currently privy to and then begin investigating that so that they have more to work with.
1: Um, if you want to turn a train into a base of operations, uh, the the way you do this is you own the train privately, but you probably don't own the rails. Uh, I find it hard to imagine a train baron um, dedicating themselves to a life of swashbuckling adventure on the rails. Uh, that's just kind of not the type of personality that tends to pay the human cost to build a a train empire doesn't doesn't go do that themselves
0: because it's a rookie mistake right like you own b and o railroad and that doesn't get you anything it's not worth it at all you got to have all four railroads before it even matters
1: (laughs) okay fair um but what that means is if you have a private train that means you are probably constantly negotiating with railway owners Uh, to prioritize your train traffic over whatever they would otherwise put on their rails so that means you might be doing favors that means you might be paying them off that means it might be taking on some cargo and doing some jobs for them Um, those are all like kind of ways to make your base mobile um, but still feel like a train right (laughs) Um, because that is a, a bit unique compared to like an airship or something where you know you you could just lift
0: off and go So if you're living aboard, everyone needs to have a function on the train. There are a lot of roles you could choose from. If you own the train, you could have someone be the actual engineer. Uh, It's probably more interesting uh, for the party to own it and run the train than for the party to be employees of the train company, because that just means they have a a lot less uh, agency in terms of what they decide to do.
1: You might have somebody who's in charge of communications right like to to be on the open rails you still want to be able to confirm your next stop or or talk back to you know central base or whatever it is you know you've to be able to have the agency you need you've got to be able to communicate
0: Uh, you'll need a mechanic or someone who's who knows how to do maintenance even if it's just percussive maintenance
1: because you're players, you'll definitely want somebody in charge of security. Um, if you don't, your train will be befallen by all types of bad things. Come on, you're player characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you might have a captain uh, or a, a first mate, uh, possibly. you know, This could be the same person as essentially the conductor, right? Maybe you're actually getting money from moving passengers. You could have a quartermaster who's keeping track of the rations for the food, the uh, weapons, and things like that. Or yeah.
1: just managing your cargo, right? Like you take cargo on or, or unload cargo off as you go because you do have some ability to do transport. So somebody has to manage that.
0: Are we building a ticket to ride RPG? Is that what's happening I mean, here? kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have uh, additional uh, people who need to have a role, of course, doctor is an option, steward, or they can just be a permanent long-term passenger.
1: Yeah, I love the uh, the eccentric passenger. You know, like I'm not really part of this team. I'm just I just like to ride.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like I'll help out if I need
1: to, but I, I just like to ride, man.
0: I I got to live somewhere. It's like um Madeline. She just lives in a hotel. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm just idle rich.
0: <laughs> All right, if you don't own um this train, if you're just on this train for a little while, but you know, longer than a single session, Uh, because you're using it uh, as a base or you're moving on it, what kind of passenger are you going to be? You could be just a worker, um, you know, being moved from place to place. You could also be security hired to make sure that the train and the people on it are safe.
1: Yeah, if you're you're a luxury passenger, you're going to kind of have your full walk of the train, Uh, at least the passenger cars, right? You'll be able to interact with the staff in a different way. Um, versus being a coach class rider, you're you're kind of taking whatever the train gives you and you don't get a lot of agency in that until something happens that changes that scenario.
0: Yeah, and each of these roles sort of leans uh, lends itself to a different kind of game. You know, if you're a luxury passenger, then that is very good for a murder mystery, right? You can basically go where you want to go. You can kind of boss around the conductor or bribe the engineer to move a little faster or to get access to the logs or, you know, what have you. If you're a coach class rider, then that's probably going to be a situation where the party gets pulled into um, a, a bad situation or an attack or something like that, and then gets conscripted or basically needs to fight because they're also under attack. And right. if your workers are security, then you'll have a better idea of what's coming. It may not necessarily be a surprise, like you know we're going through hostile territory. You're here to repel, you know, a boarding party.
1: And then, of course, the source of drama here often is who else is aboard, right? Whether that is uh, the inside man for that boarding or that is, you know, a, a high-profile passenger or or whatever. Um, keep in mind, like, trains are sort of bottle episodes when they're between stops, right? You have pretty good privacy to do whatever you want to do with whoever is around you as long as you're not, you know, in, a, um, in, in an actual, like, train yard right like as long as you're not in a city or or a stop like what trysts what deals what machinations can befall the passengers while they're you know on that one day journey from chicago to uh i don't say denver i guess it's probably longer i don't know how long
0: trains take (laughs) they i mean pro tip they take as long as you need them to take that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is my favorite part actually of you know watching a murder mystery uh that takes place in a train or train sessions or whatever is like you know one third of the way through when suddenly you're like all right we're in the dining car i'm going to talk to this person you talk to that person and we're going to find life stories uh, and motives
1: right and that's uh, you know it's tropey but like that's why you bring in the train is to use these tropes of like everyone has a reason for being on that train that time you know um and how they all interconnect and and the web that that creates is what makes a personal drama on the train versus sort of an action drama of an attack.
0: Right. Like, everyone has a reason to be on this train, but now you're in a situation that is not a normal situation. You can't leave. You might be trapped here with a a murderer or someone you don't like or whatever it is. And that makes people act in different ways, maybe even contrary to, to, to their natures or, you know, allows them to, to do something that they, they wouldn't normally do because they're not worried about getting caught or they are moving directly away from the place where they expect they would get caught.
1: So let's talk about combat.
0: So the hazards on a train are going to be broken up into two basic options. They can be internal or they can be external. An internal hazard means that something is happening on the actual train. So you look at Murder on the Orient Express. A crime has been committed on the train and it needs to be solved because no one's going to sleep because someone got murdered and it could be any of us next.
1: Yeah, the fear of the next murder victim is what drives you to action. <laughs> um potentially including you or potentially you being accused. The cargo is also a uh, also a source of of, you know, internal um hazard so something that's being transported that is dangerous to the train uh, a weapon a volatile substance an animal or a monster um you know the crew might be trying to maintain the train right like keep keep things running while the party has to fight it or investigate it or locate it or whatever it is
0: yeah snakes on a train yeah
1: snakes on a train classic
0: What, what why is this cage making noises uh did you say the last stop was jurassic what park yeah (laughs) i've never heard of this place
1: (laughs) so the the drama of this is going to come from tight quarters not knowing who you can trust uh wondering like which shadows does the creature lurk um you know like you've, you've got that suffocating feeling of being uh enclosed with a danger and that's where i think a lot of the the drama of this will come from
0: yeah, this is a little bit different from airplanes because you have more options in terms of where something could be because you're not necessarily dealing with like uh, atmospheric decompression as soon as you go outside. So yeah. this is a good chance to use like um, ninjas or, you know, wall crawling spider creatures or or something that can go in places that people usually can't go so that they're hard to follow or hard to track or you have absolutely no idea where they might be. They could be uh, they have on the roof outside the train, wherever.
1: And and there's also just the sheer volume of space they could be in, right? Because you have, like you said, you have the outside of the, like the external exterior of the cars themselves, but also just the number of cars, right? Like a train can easily be a hundred cars. That's that's not something you can really search every inch of. Um, That's something you have to like kind of gather and and filter information uh, aggressively in order to find
0: right and you can really lean into the close quarters into the claustrophobia because let's say you want to go you need to run and get to the security car because like you know obviously that's where the weapons are and you don't want the murderer to get a weapon well you have to go through every single car between here and there there is no direct path to get to that car without going through it which means if there's a hazard in one car or um there's you know difficult terrain, or you know you're you're running through uh complicated spaces the the kitchen and there's a fire or or what have you then the the party knows that they know that that uh, is coming they they know that they need to contend with that, uh, and yet there's still the tension of this is not our goal. It's like when you have to get to the bathroom in a a railway apartment and your <laughs> roommate has put a spoon on the door and <laughs>
1: um uh, another internal threat is the threat of decoupling right so if you separate parts of a train uh it strands those parts so if you're on that threatened or that decoupled piece then you have to deal with that um generally <laughs> it's good practice to not let your train get separated from its engine um so if you spot it how and once you spot it how can you stop it
0: yeah um it's Tropy to have a an actual like physical lever or like a bolt that's connecting the two cars together that people are fighting over you know like one person's trying to grab it the other person grabs at their hand or or punches at their head or whatever and they have to dodge out of the way and they let go but i'm you know tropey fights are sometimes also really fun
1: yeah this is a train fight this isn't the basis of the game this is the one train fight you have right like use the tropes they're there for a reason um, of course, this could also be caused by like a uh, targeted explosive, right? So like, you know, you uh, blow the bolts so that the trains separate or accidental damage, right? Like a fireball goes off and it weakens the coupling. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to deal with that problem. Um, I, I think that's that's sort of where this gets the most like active drama for uh, for a party of adventurers is, is less so like the the physical fighting over the mechanism and more so like, okay, the mechanism has failed you are decoupled now what do you do to like fix that improvise some solution to it like avoid being stranded you know how do you get back attached basically
0: yeah because you don't want to use the threat of decoupling as basically a a game ender right Right. like oh the train got decoupled and now the bandits win and you're all taken captive or you're all dead, right? I mean, I guess that's a possible option, but it's more fun if you're telegraphing that this might happen and then, you know, showing how little by little it's inching closer. So the fireball goes off. That doesn't just decouple the train, right? It doesn't just destroy the link, but everyone should notice that it has weakened it. And that means that going forward, they can use different kinds of attacks or, you know, if they are trying to decouple it, they can purposely be throwing more fireballs. Right. Right. And then really lean into the close quarters combat, right? There is no room to maneuver. That means range combat is going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, AOEs are going to be a lot more effective or a lot more dangerous, depending on you know, who is in the line of fire.
1: Speaking of who's in the line of fire, you've got the risk of friendly fire. You have the uh, added distraction or risk of, of innocent bystanders being in the way. Anything like that can um, add to the challenge of, of just a straight-up fight in a narrow corridor
0: right you're fighting in an alley right the the bad if the enemy is on the other side of the train car and you're trying to shoot at them literally everyone in this car is in your way and is could potentially get hit
1: or could potentially be in your way in a chase (laughs) 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 because that's the other piece of this is just like what if you don't close quarters combat what if you close quarters chase and you just make it as difficult to follow as possible you can only go one direction but time matters right like you're getting to that decoupler one or the one way or the other like how are you going to catch up to them
0: that's why i always make sure i can run upside down on the ceiling that helps, <laughs>
1: unless all the passengers
0: can do it, too. Oh, yeah, and then it's just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> then it's just a crazy disco. <laughs> all right, so you can also have hazards that come from an external source. Something is happening to the train or uh, to the people on the train uh, from outside. So bandits are attacking. Uh, the The trope is people are riding up on horses not too long after the train has left a station, so it hasn't gotten up to full speed yet.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, this is the, the trick is that like bandits have to be positioned in a place where the train has to slow uh, at least to the point where they can board, um, which ideally is also close enough to some type of camp or, uh, you know, civilizations, something where they have a place to move the cargo easily <laughs> because train cargo is also heavy. So stealing like a, a train car full of gold is actually very hard on horses. How do you move the gold <laughs> from the train? um so you know like there, there's kind of a you know, think about what the bandits would do next and that that gives you a good place um anywhere near a river is always good um anywhere um you know where you have sort of a competing rail company maybe you know where where two sets of tracks are nearby where you can maybe move it to a different train um that all makes sense you might even be sponsored by that other rail company you know
0: uh, anywhere in winter where now you can load up dog sleds and get your cargo out of there um remember this is the great thing about trains for your story is that the the times are published everyone knows where the train is going to be at a particular time (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, you can set up an ambush easily Uh, and you know if a train is already at speed it probably needs to slow down when it's you know going around a curve or when it's heading up into the mountains and it's more difficult to get speed going uphill
1: So then you could also have, you know, external factors that threaten derailment. So a storm, uh, especially a winter storm, right? Um, Or some type of deliberate sabotage might threaten derailment, uh, might cause damage to tracks or tunnels or bridges that require the train to stop, um, which may be a source of drama on its own. Obviously, like freight trains take miles to actually come to a full stop. So, um, but if they do they can't really get going very quickly. And while they're sitting there, they are a prime target for bandits. So you might just like, you know, drop a few trees across the, uh, across the tracks and and force them to stop with plenty of plenty of sight notice.
0: Yeah. It's called a cow catcher, not a tree catcher. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think I, actually
1: I, modern trains are probably just fine with trees falling across. Like I'm pretty sure they just obliterate that.
0: I think you're probably right. And also, you know, big chunks of glacier. Right. You know, you can't ever stop. (laughs) Um, I I also like uh in urban uh environments, you you have a train and you might just have (laughs) people who can open their own bedroom window and jump on top of the train because you know you're not paying a lot for this loft, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh
1: yeah. Some people call it a uh a downside of this location, but I consider it an upside. Free rides. Uh
0: there's almost always a chance for aerial attack in a fantasy game that can be dragons or griffin riders. I mean, Shane, you said, you know, how do you get rid of how do you like carry away all this gold? You fly it away and your spaceship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that was the move for solo, right? Like um, <laughs> fly in, steal the steal the whole car. Uh, just carry it off to wherever it needs to go.
0: Right, we attach ropes to the entire thing. We just need four griffins. Exactly. Consider can this attack be handled from inside the train? You know, if you've got a boxcar, you can open those uh, big sliding doors and now you have uh, an open shot. If you're on a flat top, then you can stand on top of the cargo or, you know, you cut the ropes and all the steel pipes fall off. And now it's just, you know, an open flat area where you can set up your anti-aircraft gun.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, you can open those big sliding doors and reveal your Gatling gun. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, PCs. Get on this train.
0: Uh, If that's not a possibility, then you can always climb on top of the car. And let me just add, you should always climb on top of the train car at some point.
1: It's always a good idea to slow your trains to a believable speed where you could climb on top of the car like James Bond or Indiana Jones or any other action hero ever.
0: (laughs) Make it super cool. Uh, Also, moving between cars, especially if it's open air. Um, where you, you you basically have to be there where uh, the connecting bolt is, and you know you're trying to make sure that you don't fall off that little narrow platform that barely has uh, a ledge.
1: Yeah, great place for a fist fight. Mm-hmm. And you might say the best place for a fist fight on a train.
0: <laughs> or um, the only other place that would be just as good would be in the locomotive um, with the dead body of the con- of the engineer slumped over the acceleration lever.
1: Yeah, that's true. Good point, good point. (laughs) Anytime you can battle over that acceleration lever, you should do that. (laughs) Um, Of of course, though, think about what happens if you get outside of the cars. Um, That introduces the risk of falling off the train. Um, So make sure that you're planning for what that eventuality results in, right? Like, Depending on how fast your your train goes, that might eliminate you from the scene uh, because the train moves on without you. It might be sudden death, right? A uh, high speed high speed rail. If you fall off, that's probably lights out.
0: Especially if you're over a bridge, <laughs> right? There was a great there was a great bit in early early Morning Glory. I think even before you joined, where it was a fight on a train, and there were spider climbing assassins who you know decided that they would just go on the outside of the train. Obviously, um, so they were on like actual the sides, right? The windows, um, moving in so that they could uh, get to the target. And I'm pretty sure it was Susie's character who just cast a sleep spell and caught one of them.
1: And so um, they just fell off.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> boom, out, right, Yeah, right off the train.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so uh, depending on the magic in the setting or the, the tech level, right, like you might have a personal jump pack or you might have death ward or you might have Featherfall. right? So um, the threat to a PC or uh, an NPC could be different based on what's available to them.
0: No matter what, though, players need to know the stakes going in, right? Like a PC may be foolish. A PC may not necessarily understand, you know, how deadly uh, a situation is. Maybe they've never even been on a train before. But the players should understand that if I do this action or if this consequence befalls me, here is what will happen to my character. Right. And during any attack, think about what is the enemy goal? Are they trying to take the train? Are they trying to destroy the train? Do they just want to steal the cargo and get away without anyone knowing that they were there? Often bandits all they want to do is just stop the train, right? The it's this the cartoon trope of like riding your um horse up next to the uh, engineer and just pointing your gun at him and saying, like, stop the train or I'm gonna shoot you in the face.
1: Right, right. Um, usually engineers are therefore instructed not to stop the train for basically any reason. Um, your good engineers will follow that procedure and, and make it difficult to stop the train. Uh, but that might be less interesting for the story, especially if you happen to be on the train and not robbing the train.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, stopping the train is a good way to get yourself robbed and shot. Right.
1: <laughs> the other, you know, big part of trains, I, I think big trope of trains is derailing, right? So this is your catastrophic crash. Uh, it's effectively the end of the train as a method of conveyance. Um and when you do this, right? like, depending on the speed of the train and the technology level and whatnot, like you probably want the party to survive, um, but might lose significant resources. Number one, their mode of transportation, but but maybe some of their cargo and other things that were on the train. Um, and then they're stranded somewhere and have to figure out what to do
0: right and maybe maybe they lose a bunch of hit points right like they take a lot of damage from debris or just being thrown from a train and then you know maybe the resources is that hit points or or spells to patch themselves up or whatever right uh generally a derailing should probably happen either right near the beginning of your session or right near the end of your session because then either you can play a like fun session of the train has been derailed there's debris and cargo everywhere you're dealing with the aftermath like are you trying to save other passengers are you trying to protect cargo and it becomes almost like a, a holdout session where other people are now attacking from the outside or it happens at the end and you know you you fade to black and we'll see what the consequences of this are next session
1: of course anytime you have a an obvious negative event uh, there's an opportunity for a moral dilemma so if there are resources that could mitigate the uh the cost of the derailment how do you share them so uh you know in a ship you have parachutes um, or you <laughs> might have uh you know escape pods on a train i don't know man maybe personal jump packs or death ward spells <laughs> like um you know whatever it is that might help survive uh how do you share those amongst the party and then also amongst other passengers
0: all right so let's talk about some caveats if you are running a train session
1: so don't forget the train riding experience right? Like for a long time, trains were meant to travel long distances. um, And and they were sort of the way that you saw the world before planes, mass media, the internet, like the train window was like sort of that romantic way of of seeing Europe or seeing the American West, right? Like seeing um, like Southeast Asia, for example. So like highlight the, the ecological differences, you know, what you see outside the window should be important to the characters, the prairies, the forests, the, you know, gorges and, and chasms and glaciers and mountains, like whatever the terrain is, right? Like, that's the bulk of the visual experience of being on a train.
0: And don't forget the people in the towns along the way. Remember, trains don't always necessarily stop at every stop. You might blow through one because you're on the express. It is the Orient Express because it doesn't make every stop.
1: Right. But you might still go through, you know, several cities. (laughs) You just don't stop.
0: And remember that the train isn't just a long dungeon corridor. It is much more interactive than that, right? Like when you're underground and, you know, you know that you have 10 foot thick stone walls on either side of you, you focus entirely on what's directly in front of you. But on the train, make as much use as you can of the train itself. And remember that there is an entire world outside of the train that also can be utilized. If people smash windows, they can go in or out of those windows. You can go on the roof. You can go under the train. You can go ahead of the train and screw up the tracks. Do something like that.
1: Right. Yeah. I think, I think just getting caught up in the physical map aspect of, you know, it's four squares wide and 10 squares long. uh, And that's, that's every car as we go. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's going to make for a very interesting long long session or or arc um but you know mix it up with with some various kind of tactical arrangements
0: yeah players you can um test things out right like rip a chair uh in the dining car out, out of the ground and, and smash a window open uh gms have enemies do this and then players will know that they can too
1: yeah enemies swinging in through the windows like smashing them in with their boots and and you know landing all tactical and then pulling up their rifles like That'll kick off the train adventure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing is is play cat and mouse games, right? Like vision on a train is kind of strange. Um, when you're on a straight track, you can really only see what's beside you or like what's in, f- like literally like through the window to the car in front or behind you, right? So you might only be able to see a very narrow range. But uh, when you hit like a bend in the track, you might be able to see cars that are far, like m- uh, over a mile behind you. Um, you might be able to see what's going on between cars, on top of cars. You might see people. Um, you might see events occurring, like you might see the explosion um, on the car, you know, fifteen cars back, that indicates there's trouble long before you hear or experience anything about it, you know, directly.
0: Right, is that scene from Snowpiercer where the the tr- train is going around a curve and then they they can shoot at each other? And it might be that like you can see up ahead, you'll have a one-round opening where you're going to be able to get a shot before the mountain uh, is in the way again.
1: Right. Or there's the uh, the James Bond thing where, like, you know, you're fighting on the roof and then the, uh, like, you've got to, like duck between the cars as you enter the tunnel and then you come out of the tunnel and you climb back up there and then one of you well i guess it's speed you get caught by the uh <laughs> the light in the tunnel right but like you know let let that happen um you know like play those kinds of games with the terrain and and the the unique nature of cars
0: yeah this is one of those times when facing can matter right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i
1: have 360 degree perception i never would have <laughs> <laughs> all right do you hear that ishan okay time to move on to the character creation forge and find a new head before we do that let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us we do love hearing from you you can tweet at shane at mundangerous that's m-u-n dangerous
0: and you can tweet at addition at evil sans carne that's malice minus meat
1: and you can tweet at the show at
0: TPTcast. you can also email us at totalpartythrill at gmail.com
1: and you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com
0: we're also on facebook and instagram at total party thrill
1: and join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Cobalt Press's Scarlet Citadel Kickstarter.
1: Scarlet Citadel is a 5th edition dungeon of secrets. A classic multi-level dungeon for 5th edition gaming, a place of dungeon crawling, treasure looting, and morphing battle maps.
0: Once a functional fortress and the cradle of wizards, little now remains of the Scarlet Citadel, at least on the surface. Those are actually my favorite, like when Brendan Fraser trips over the top of the pyramid.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah classic classic uh yeah it looks fine on the top but what's underneath dwarf and
0: mercenaries who once bred <laughs> their own owl bears for war
1: the sorcerers of the white forest practiced in their forbidden arts
0: all right so this all dungeon adventure for levels one to ten presents adventuring in the most classic style of all facing foul monsters below the earth and seizing lost treasure
1: so sharpen your axe and ready your wand and step forward by backing the kickstarter for an adventure in the scarlet citadel
0: All right, so this week in The Forge, we have the Conductor. Shane, what does the Conductor do? Uh,
1: The Conductor is an electrical mage. I mean, sure, resistance to lightning damage is nice, but that's a resistor. (laughs) The Conductor is here to channel lightning through herself and redirect it back into her enemies.
0: All right, so what's the build?
1: Uh, The build is Storm Sorcerer 18, Paladin 2.
0: I love these 18-2 splits with Paladin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I'm a big battery. What are
0: you? (laughs) Right, so paladin gets divine sense okay lay on hands which is 10 hp which you'll use like a defibrillator on your allies right you only need one hit point to bring them back from uh making death saves
1: yeah 10 times per long rest you can get them right back up to die again
0: <laughs> <laughs> live <laughs> live <laughs> damn you <laughs> i'm saving five for myself because you know diseases exactly all right, you get Divine Smite and Defensive Fighting Style for plus one to AC.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to get into the mix here to uh, use all these Storm Sorcerer abilities to their their maximum benefit. So you want to take the defense and make sure you don't get wailed on too hard because you are still a Sorcerer. <laughs> uh, so from Storm Sorcerer 18, uh, we will get um, access to the... Uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide Cantrips. So, Green Flame Blade and Booming Blade are great for uh, making the melee attack to uh, trigger your smite. And then, Lightning Lore is obviously very thematic for you, but it allows you to pull enemies closer so that you can proc some of your other AoE effects.
0: Now, you're getting ninth level spells, so plenty of options there. I mean, take Wish, obviously.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I wish for more Lightning. <laughs>
0: Uh, at level 1, Sorcerer, you'll be able to speak Primordial, which could always come in handy in a pinch, and Tempestuous Magic. As a bonus action before or after casting a spell, you can fly 10 feet without provoking an opportunity attack.
1: Second level, of course, you'll get Phantom Magic and Metamagic. Uh, you get your sorcery points right, turn these into more spells, or use them for things like Empowered Spell, Quicken
0: Spell, Twin Spell, those types of abilities. At level 6, you're Resistance to Thunder and Lightning... And when you cast a first level spell or higher that deals lightning or thunder, creatures you choose within 10 feet take half your sorcerer level in lightning damage.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you've set up this kind of basic combo of, you know, you use your lightning lure uh, with Tempestuous Magic to get 10 feet closer, pull them into you, then use a Quicken Spell to, you know, do some lightning damage and then add extra damage on top of that.
0: Yeah. You have a lot of positioning of enemies and also yourself.
1: Right. Um, and then also at level 6, you'll get Storm Guide, which allows you to lightly control the weather around you. It's kind of a ribbon ability. Uh, at level 14, we'll get Storm's Fury, which when you're hit by a melee attack, as a reaction, you can deal your sorcerer level of damage to the attacker. Uh, then they will make a strength save or be pushed 20 feet away from you. Um, I like this little like shock back, you know, <laughs> um, and then it can interrupt their multi-attack if they don't have enough movement to close the
0: gap again. And then an 18-year capstone is Wind Soul, immunity to lightning and thunder damage. Although, flavor that as it being channeled through you, right? now, that it doesn't affect you at all.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're just storing it into your massive uh, Divine Smite battery <laughs> to release later.
0: <laughs> and then you'll get a 60-foot fly speed that you can share with the party for an hour once per short rest.
1: Uh, and this should probably, like, it's, it's themed after wind, but you should probably theme this around, like, magnetic levitation, right? Like, all of this stuff should be magnetic because you're, you're kind of an electrical soul.
0: I think I would go with, like, a Static Shock uh, levitating all of the manhole covers. Okay. Everyone's <laughs> just sort of floating along on them.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. Your own, like, <laughs> miniature uh, uh, floating tensors floating disks. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters.
0: Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all our rewards at Patreon.com slash TotalPartyThrill. Uh,
1: and we get asked about this every once in a while. Don't forget, we also still have t-shirts available on TeePublic. You can search Total Party Thrill, um, or there's a link in the show notes for those if you're interested in some TPT merch. Uh, also, mugs, notebooks, all types of goofy stuff with our logo on it.
0: Yeah, I don't know about pants, but who needs pants these days? Yeah, who wears them?
1: Uh, of course, you can also support the show by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do that, we will read it on the air. And what do we have planned for next week's episode?
0: Thanks to a great listener, we will be talking about the Midgard campaign setting. And
1: in the character creation forge?
0: We're building Torbjorn for the first week of Overwatch Tober. I have no idea what that is. Yeah,
1: you'll learn. Cool. And that's it for episode 269 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane.
0: And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening.
1: Are you looking for a great story? Do you love Star Wars? Do you like podcasts? If you said yes to any of these, check out the Redemption
0: Podcast. Well, I have less in my head than you do normally, probably.
1: You haven't met the crew I'm with. Pretty much everywhere we go, our life is in danger.
0: Things didn't explode. That's pretty sneaky for us. That sounds horrible.
1: Yes, please finish up whatever underhanded thing you're doing on the computer terminals at the Jedi Temple. Check out Redemption Podcast at
0: www.redemptionpodcast.com.